قل هذه سبيلي أدعو إلى الله على بصيرة أنا ومن اتبعني وسبحان الله وما أنا من المشركين إن الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله الكريم وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين فإن استقل حديثي كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور متتاتها وكل متتات بدعة وكل بدعة دلالة وكل دلالة في النار The subject is called Common Sense of Islam. Sheikh Dr. Jaffer Jackie Dries once was giving a lecture, and I couldn't wait to get there. I loved him so much. I loved to listen to him. And the subject was the rational arguments of the Quran. And he began by making clear a subject that I like to reflect on whenever I talk about common sense or rational arguments. He said, before I give the lecture, before I give this topic, you have to understand that I'm assuming if we're going to talk about rational arguments that I'm talking to rational people. So before we can talk about common sense of Islam, I have to assume that I'm talking to people with common sense. Now, before anybody gets upset with me over that, I want you to stop and think, because so many times, we human beings don't really use common sense. A lot of times, we do really dumb things. And if you doubt what I just said, how many of you doubt what I just said? Anybody doubts me? Because I got a good proof. You always got to bring proof for what you say, right? One of the best proofs is how popular the reruns, even the reruns of the show America's Funniest Home Videos. People love to watch the reruns and the reruns on top of the reruns. Oh, wait till you see this. Oh, watch this guy. Watch him now. What? You see him doing that? You, you've already seen it. How you want to see this guy do the same stupid thing again? Yeah? The reason that I'm saying this is because I want to talk about common sense, but how can I talk to you about common sense if I'm not going to use common sense and you're not going to use common sense? So let us agree on a couple of points before we ever get started. That if something, if something makes sense, then we'll try to use it, fit it in. And if it doesn't, we can reject it. That's the whole point of giving this kind of a lecture. I want to start out by telling you what's something that happened to me. A lot of people, from the questions we received already, I can see you're interested to know about people coming into Islam, and, and that's good. The person who ultimately was able to help me find the way into Islam actually was a target for me. I was trying to catch him and convert him to become a Christian. 
Oh, yeah. I spent three months on this guy trying to think of every possible debate, argument, any way that I could bring something to him to get him to switch over and come be a Christian. My dad even told me to leave him alone. But I was determined. Well, it's just kind of like nothing except just to say I did it. Huh? The sport. That's the word I was looking for. The sport of the thing. Then one day he said it. He said, you know what? Okay, I'll, I'll come to your religion. If your religion's better than my religion. And immediately I was thinking, I got him! I got him! I got him! I got him! Because by now I'd learned some stuff about Islam. Christianity, you do not have to pray five times a day. You don't have to go to a place called Mecca once in your life. And you don't have to pay zakah. And you sure don't have to fast 30 days straight in a row in Ramadan. In fact, you don't even have to be nice if you don't want to. But you probably should. Christianity is not based on that. All this action, all this codification, all of this stringent activity. It's tough. Can't eat any pork, can't smoke cigarettes, can't drink booze, can't do anything. Christianity is easy. It's not a dual religion. It's a faith religion. But then he finished the sentence. He said, I'll go to your religion if it's better than my religion, but you need proof. I said, what? I said, proof? I said, man, religion is not about proof. Religion's about faith. He said, in our religion we have both. We have faith, but we have proof. Before I could catch my tongue, I heard my voice say these words. Do you mean to sit there and tell me as a Muslim... That you can prove that there's a God? He said, Do you mean to sit there and tell me as a preacher for Christianity you can't? <clears throat> Oops. Because now I'm interested. What do you got that's proof? I'm talking about testable evidence. Not a dream. Not a feel good. Cold, hard fact. Prove there's a God. He said, absolutely. Man, I got to know. What's this secret? <laughs> because I'd already figured out. Whatever he tells me, I'm going to use it in Christianity. That's going to be how it's going to go. <laughs> Before I go any further, this place is filled up with Muslims in here. And so, I'm going to ask you. Is there anybody in here who knows, raise your hand if you know what the proof is in Islam? Testable evidence. If you know what it is, raise your hand. One, two, I mean, put your hand up. Go ahead. Get it on up there. There we go. There we go. How many of you would like to know what it is? Ah, good. That's good. See, you came to the right place today, didn't you?
Remember what he said, can you prove there's a God? That's the easiest of all things to prove. And I'm not talking about going to the Quran either. Although the Quran is where you get the idea for it because Allah asks you to reflect on it. But your common sense. Because in a psych class, if you've ever been to a psychology class, one of the first things they do, they put a little stupid games with you. Anybody ever, any psych majors here? Anybody been to? Yeah, am I right? They play some real idiot games with you the first day you go in there. <laughs> like one of them is, can you prove you exist? Have you heard that one? Well, here's the real good one for you. Well, if there's no proof I exist, why don't you just go ahead and give me an A and I won't show up the rest of the term? <laughs> because it really don't matter, does it? And while we're at it, how about I smack you upside the head and you don't get mad or anything because obviously it didn't hurt because you don't exist. Stupid. But that's how far away from reality we've got. And we pay people to talk like this. Can you imagine that? It's not free to go to a university, is it? No. And another question. Listen to some of the questions I've heard. This is real stuff. In the university, I've heard these kind of questions. If there's a desert island, and there's a tree on it, grows up, becomes a full tree and after many many years it dies and then finally one day it falls over now there's nobody there to hear it will it still make a noise have you heard that one or a tree in the forest if it falls over and there's nobody there to hear it will it still make a noise have you heard that most of them have the answer which came first, the chicken or the egg? You say the chicken. They say, well, didn't the chicken come out of an egg? Oh, yeah. It, the egg. Well, didn't the egg come out of a chicken? Oh, yeah, yeah. So the chicken. Egg, chicken, chicken, egg, chicken, chicken, egg, chicken, egg, egg, chicken, chicken. Uh, and Islam has got the answer. Every single stupid question they've got, Islam has dealt with it in the Quran or in the Hadith. But how about the really tough questions that they come up with and Allah answered that too space travel mentioned in the Quran not just mentioned that people could do it telling you how to do it 1400 years ago proof big time but first you have to have common sense Otherwise, it won't make any sense to you. How many fingers am I holding up? Are you sure? Could it be three? Well, wait a minute. Watch this. Well, watch. Watch. Are you watching? One, two, three. I love the way this guy laughs. Where's your dad at? He can't come. Where's your mom? Where, where, where's your mom? Can I have this boy? I want to take him on the road. I like his laugh. It's good. You see this? If I tell you that became three. Look. One, two, three. 
You accept that? It's not common sense, is it? Okay, how many I got here? Three? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Watch it. Whoa! Now it's one. Yeah? No. How many of you know I'm talking about the Trinity? Yeah. I grew up with that Trinity thing and I've had it every single possible way you can imagine. Everything. How about the latest one that guy come up to me because he's heard, because they listen to my CDs and tapes and so they're going to come up with a new one because we've got a whole bunch of them and every one of them they become like a joke as soon as you think about it. Here's one. One of the first ones that we used when I was a kid. The apple. Everybody's heard about the apple, right? The apple has the skin on the outside, the meat on the inside, and the inside of that are the seeds, yeah? Three things, one apple. The Muslim got me on that one. He said, how many seeds are in there? Then he asked, could a worm go in an apple? I said, yeah. Then how many would it be? Another preacher told me, tell him the egg. Tell him about the egg. Yeah. The egg is the shell on the outside, the white on the inside, the yellow on the inside. Yo! Three. One egg. Listen to this one. What if it's a double yolk? I guess the yolk's on me. <laughs> you could have laughed a little harder on that one. You know? Thank you so much. What if it's rotten? The family. The father is one. The wife is one. The child is one. One, one, one. Three is one. Unless they have another kid. Or somebody dies. Or they get a divorce. State of Texas, you get a divorce, the wife gets a car, she gets a house, she gets your pension, gets your key plan, she gets your computer, and all oh, your email too. No. I don't want a God that can get a divorce. I don't want a God that can die, and I don't want a God that can be rotten. I don't want a God that can have a worm in it. And when they ask the Prophet Muhammad, they ask him the same dumb question. They were talking about Allah, well, Al-Uzu, which was some gods that they had. Who's he related to? Because they had some gods. He said, Qul hu Allahu Ahad. Say he is Allah, he is Ahad. From the word Wahid, which means one. But Ahad, there's no two going to come after it, so it's uniquely one. We don't have a number like it in English, so... You have to always explain that. Ahad. Qulhu Allahu Ahad. Allahu Samad. He's the one that doesn't need his creation, but the creation needs him. Lam yalid wa lam yulad wa lam yakullahu kufuwan Ahad. He's not the son. He's not the father. He doesn't have children, doesn't have daughters, he doesn't have sons. There's no genealogy connected with him. 
There is nothing, in fact, like him anywhere, anytime, any place. He is unique one. Common sense. And then he gives us an example in the Quran. If there was more than one God, wouldn't they be in competition? Eventually. I can make a sun bigger than you can. <laughs> I'll make a moon that'll go twice as fast as your moon. Hey, your water only goes down. Watch my water, I'll make it go up. I'd be nuts. Even it's obvious even in the kids' magazines, those comic books, when you read about these superheroes, as soon as there's two, eventually one of them's gonna get up against the other one. That's gonna happen. And I ask you about that in the Quran. There's only one. Where did idea three come from? It's in the Bible, right? I've asked Christians that many times. Obviously, I read it many times. I was preaching it, right? But the reality is, nobody preaching Trinity ever took that out of the Bible. They're taking it from their various doctrines or the catechism if they're Catholic. And it's the doctrine that they uh, subscribe to, that they said this is official. We have said the church says that, and you will say that or you can't be in our church. Oh, that's it. But what is the proof? The Bible actually said God is one. Clearly states it over and over that the God is one God. It says one. Nowhere does it say two or three. So if somebody said to you, well, God is three... Common sense, I'm going to ask you, from where did you get this idea? Now, because we invite our guests to come here, and then they might say, well, you're being awful hard on us. I got news for you. I say the same thing when I visit the church. Uh, this is no different when I talk about the common sense of Islam here or in the church. And you'll be surprised when the priest sits right next to me nodding his head like this, and they're going, huh? Because they're expecting he's going to jump up and say, no, the Bible says so-and-so, and he already knows it doesn't say that. In Deuteronomy, that's Old Testament, chapter 6, real clear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. And you have to love him with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. And you have to love your brother as yourself. And some of them said, wait a minute, that's in the New Testament. I know it is. That's Jesus quoting it out of the Old Testament. It's in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 29. They asked him, what's the greatest commandment? The Sanhedrin, the Pharisees were putting pressure on him and they were saying, what is the greatest commandment? He said, it's to know, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. And you have to... Worship him or love him with all your mind, heart, and strength. And he says, then I give you a commandment like unto it, to love your brother as yourself. But he didn't give a new commandment because that seemed Deuteronomy for 5,000 years. So, if it says one, where'd you get three? Now, if you said, well, there's aspects of God, then we would say... Yes, you're absolutely right, because we say that Allah is ar-Rahman. He's totally merciful. 
we say that he is a subur, totally patient. We say that he is al ghafur totally forgiving. Because each of his names, he's totally that thing. He is the epitome of that characteristic. But even though we have 99 of them, we don't say God is 99. You never heard a Muslim say God is 99 any more than we'd say that this is three. So I'm trying to get to the common sense. I want to use the next seven minutes to tell you the common sense of Islam. Because, by the way, I didn't start the talk yet. I'm just getting you ready. Here it comes. First and foremost is to clarify what you mean by what you say. We're using Arabic words in an English uh, environment, and it's not fair to your listener if you don't break it down. First word, Islam. What does Islam mean? Well, some people say it means terrorism, but <laughs> beside that, it comes from Aslama, which is the root here for this word, Islam, and Sinlamim, Sum, is the root for the whole thing. And this has three strong characteristics and five in the total picture. The strongest are the surrender, submission, and obedience. But from that, immediately it has to be sincere, and that's in there too, and peace, salam, which is also in there. Surrender, give up. Give up, totally, you give up, okay? Then, submit. Submit is where you agree to terms. To give up is just one subject, but then you're going to agree to terms, Allah's commandments. And then you're going to obey them, but you're going to do it sincerely. And then finally, you achieve a peace between you and the Lord and Master of the Universe, the one who is setting the commandments in front of you, because you're not giving him a hard time. You're trying to do your best to follow his commandments. Now, when people say God is love, and some people say that, God is love, they're absolutely right, but they've only touched on a small facet of this beautiful gem called Islam. Because Allah is al-Wadud. He's the epitome of loving, which continues. Not love as in past tense or love as in today, but could change tomorrow. But loving, always loving. Allah is al-Wadud. But that's not all He is. There's more. Because somebody could just say, well, love will fix everything. And that's a nice thing. Doesn't that sound nice? Love will fix everything. I say, make a song out of that or something, huh? Good. Some brother will say, music's on wrong, brother. So we'll let that slide. But stop and think. Love. It sounds so, doesn't it feel good? Just love everybody. That would work. If, if everybody had the same mindset. But how about the guy that's got a gun in his pocket about to go out and rob somebody? Huh? And he sneaks up behind you and you turn around and he's got a gun, sticks you right in your face and you go, love. He said, well, I'd love for you to reach in your pocket and pull out your billfold and hand it over. Otherwise, I'm going to love pulling this hammer back, dropping down and plugging you. All your love isn't going to change this guy, is it? Stop and think. You know, that's ludicrous to believe that love is going to solve a problem like that. I was on a radio show one time, a call-in thing. A lady called in. And I had been talking about how much Islam 
actually has something called jihad, which is to fight against terrorism. One of the things that Islam does is fights terrorism and uses something called jihad to do so. And I was explaining in detail that's much better than any of the governments today in their way of fighting because Islam has so many limits on what you can and cannot do in jihad. And it would be a great way to stop terrorism because when we catch those guys that do it, we kill them. Lady called in and she said, oh, I like everything you said except that. I said, about what? She said, you shouldn't kill people. I said, you shouldn't kill a terrorist? A terrorist that's killed thousands of people, you catch him, what's wrong with killing him? Now that was before they hung Saddam Hussein. She said, I don't see that. I said, well, excuse me, ma'am, but just, I just want to ask you, what would you do? She said, I believe in love, and love will fix everything. I said, so you're going to, what, love the guy to death? I don't understand what you mean. She said, no, do you know what this man needs? He hasn't been truly loved. I said, in your opinion? She said, yes. I said, well, go on, tell me the rest of it. She said, the best thing when you catch someone like that is to take them somewhere to an island, some place where there's beautiful foliage and trees, some place where they can relax in the good, you know, atmosphere, and have the food and things that they need brought to them, have beautiful gardens, have rivers flowing. I said, stop! We have that. That comes to you in Jannah, the next life for the believers. But that doesn't go for terrorists. She said it. SubhanAllah. Islam is to submit to God on his terms. Next word, Allah. Do we have any guests here that it's not Muslim? Raise your hand. Any not? One, two. We, we added some folks in here. Put your hand up real high so I can see it. Okay, great. How many of you think that Allah and God are not the same? Anybody think that? It's fair to raise your hand. You don't think it's the same? Anybody else? You're the only one. You and me are the only two because I'm going to raise my hand. Now how many of you raise your hand? <laughs> oh, we got another one. Okay. Allah and God are not the same. They're not. Wallahi, they're not. I'm glad somebody finally asked me that question. God. Go get the Maurid Arabic Dictionary and look up the English side of it. God. If it's a little g, it equals the word Elah. Yes or no? Little g. An idol, a statue, an image, this is Elah. And the answer is God. Elah is God. But when you go to the same Maurit and you look up Allah, it still says God. Listen real close. Use the common sense. Allah, Elah. Did you hear a difference? Okay, now listen again. God, God. Did you hear a difference? Okay, uh, this is in California, you know this very well. 
especially if you're in San Fernando Valley. Is it, uh, what's the name of the valley? No, no, the valley down in Los Angeles. That's the one. It's called the valley. The valley. Because everybody goes, duh. There's no difference between these two words, God and God. Now, my mother, she used to say, because it has a big G, God. I don't know why, but she wanted to make a difference between a God and God. Because English doesn't have a word for Allah. There is no Allah. However, however, if you want to know about the deity worshipped by Abraham, Moses, David, Solomon, and Jesus the Christ, peace be upon all of them, they worshipped a God called Allah. And he was their Elah, and he was Allah. Proof? Ah, that's easy. I'm glad you asked me, even though you didn't. You can go to any hotel or motel on the planet and take out, the open the drawer right by the bed, what's going to be in there? If the Gideons did their job, there will be a Bible right there. You take it out, open it up, and turn six pages. One, two, three, four, five, six. And what will it show you? An example of the translations that they have of the Bible to other languages. 27 languages. First language is Afrikaans, which is very similar to Dutch, because they were Dutch. And the second one is Arabia, Arabic. Arabic. And they translated the verse in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. And the word they used for God in Arabic was not Elah. It was Alif, Lam, Lam, Ha. Allah. But when you translate it back, you're going to get God. So when the Bible in Arabic is talking about the false deities, images, and statues that were worshipped by the pagans, and God was accusing them of staying, you know, you, you, you have not worshipped me, but you've worshipped these images like Baal. They're called Elah. In the Arabic Bible. Elah and Aleha. That's the plural. But when it speaks about the one and only God, it calls him Allah. Does that make sense? Oh, and by the way, if you want to take the trouble to go get an Arabic Bible, which I did, page 1 Genesis has the word Allah 17 times on the first page. So the problem isn't Arabic. No. The problem is not the Quran. The problem is the English language. You don't have a word for the God that Abraham worshipped. So why don't you just go ahead and say what Jesus said. Only he said Allah. They didn't put the H sound at the end. We're saying Allah. There's a little bit of a huh at the end. Allah. But he said Allah. Because he spoke Aramaic, not Arabic. So... That's the next thing to understand that for sure this is clearly the right word for Allah because, as I already mentioned, Elah can be made plural, but the word Allah cannot have a plural. It can only be one. Oh, and it can't have any gender either. Now, for the benefit of those who want to take to task, they'll say, well, in the Quran it says Nahnu, 
Chalatna, which means we, and we created. Allah uses we, our, and us throughout the Quran because it's the royal we, like a king or queen. When they give an edict or any decree, they say we declare the following. But it's royalty only. The other, when we talk about gender, in Arabic, everything has gender. Everything has gender. Not in English. Not in English. We say bait or house. House is house. But in Arabic, no, baitun. If you continue, it will be what you call female. So, for us, we know that Allah is not male or female, but it does say Allahu, which means He is. But it doesn't mean he as in gender. It's because we don't say it. We're not going to say it about Allah. That's all. But Allah is not male, not female, not like his creation. Very important to know that. And finally, the last thing I would like to do before I leave the subject and end it. I went a little over the time I wanted to go, but the word Quran. The word Quran comes from the root Qara'a. Yes? Which is what? Of reciting. Reciting. This is the root for reciting. So if anybody is reciting as a Qari, he is a reciter. Yes? The Quran is Al-Quran, which is the recitation. Yes. So Ikara means what? Thank you. Thank you for not saying read. That is one of the sad things that we have in the translations. Everywhere you look today, everybody says, read. See, Allah was ordering the prophet to read. And so therefore, we've got to get our kids out here. They've got to learn how to read, which is not wrong. But at the same time, you're giving the wrong meaning of the verse. You've got to get them to read. Then they need to read. They need to, it means they've got to be educated. It means they've got to get a Ph.D. It means they can't get married. They have to grow up. They have to just get a Ph.D. And because Allah said, And I heard that in Pakistan. And I heard it in Saudi Arabia. I've heard it amongst Muslim families everywhere. Telling their kids, Allah wants you to have an education. They based it all on this one word, Iqra. And it means recite because proof. The angel Jibril, when he came to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he said, Iqra. The Prophet said, La Anabi Qari. They translated it like this. Read. I don't know how to read. He didn't say that. He didn't say, he didn't say that I don't have any knowledge. The word for knowledge is ilm. And that's not in the statement. La anabi qari. I am not a reciter because he didn't like reciting poetry. The people it was real popular at his time, like rap music is today, basically saying I'm not a rapper. I don't do that. That's what he said. Yes or no? I mean, help me out. You guys got the Arabic language. He didn't say read. He said recite. And the prophet said, I'm not a reciter. Then, and I'm going to give you the rest of it for the benefit of our guests. The angel said to him, Iqra bismi rabbik Allah di khalaqa khalaqal insana min alaq Iqra wa rabukal akram Allah di alamu bil kalam alam al insana malam yalam Recite in the name of your Lord who created, created the human being from a leech-like clot of blood. 
that clings inside of the rahum. And don't say womb. You don't have a word in English as beautiful as rahum. We don't use the word uterus or womb. This is so clinical. Allah gave you a beautiful word. Rahm. The plural is arham. Rahm is from the same root as Rahman in Rahim. And Allah is saying that He created a human being in the place of mercy. Inside of your mother is the place of mercy. Which one sounds better to you? And now let's go to common sense. You sit here and listen to me today. Talk about it. A child is born in what state? Guilty or innocent? Innocent. And we found now that not only that, but he was conceived in mercy. Born innocent. Guiltless. If a child dies, and I want you to think real hard about this one. If a child dies, the parents will say are not Muslim. Maybe they're Hindu. Maybe they're atheist. Maybe they're Buddhist. I don't know. But they're not Muslim. The child dies. And it's your responsibility now to go communicate that to the mother. What do you want to tell her? You want to tell her, oh, your baby wasn't baptized into the true religion, therefore he went to hell? Because in one particular church I know, the priest actually said that to somebody. They lost their child. Was the child baptized, christened, or nope, not at all? Well, I'm sorry, the child has gone to hell or purgatory. There's no consolation in that at all, is there? In Islam, I can honestly go to any mother of any child, regardless of her religion, and tell her, Ma'am, I can give you some very good news. Although you've lost your child, your child is in the very best place, and there's no doubt in my mind. One and a half billion people on this earth today believe your child is in paradise with Almighty God. And by the way, the child is saying, Oh God, let my parents be here with me. That's what we know. That's what our religion teaches us. Now I'm going to ask you, common sense, which one makes more sense to you? Common sense. Which one makes better sense to you? Islam doesn't ask you to believe something weird that you can't reconcile. It only asks you to look around. In the Quran, Allah said, we will show them, the disbelievers, our signs on the furthest horizon and within themselves. Today, we have a website called scienceislam.com. I want you to go there and read all of the information we have from so many scientists talking about the autad, the, those, the roots of the mountains that go for many miles down into the center of the earth that hold the earth together, keep it from wobbling and rocking. Exactly what Allah speaks about in the Quran 1400 years ago. Talks about the seas that come together that never mix. The Bahrain. They come together and they never mix. Even though they're side by side, there's two temperatures, two salinities, two densities and two life forms. They never mix. And Allah mentioned that 1400 years ago. And while you're in there, look at what Allah said about the trimesters and the development of the human being. 
And while you're looking at that, look at about the milk inside the cow and where does it come from. And the people didn't know until, in the West they didn't know until William Harvey came up with this idea about 400 years ago. And they talked about it and said, wow, wow, look at that. But 1400 years, that's a thousand years before him, Allah said in the Quran, it comes from a conjunction between the bowel and the blood. And that's exactly where the milk comes from. And while you're in there, look at what Allah said. If you're in doubt about it, bring a book like it. Then he says, bring ten surahs like it. Ten chapters. Then he says, bring one. Bring one until this day they haven't been able to do it. Because Allah said he will protect it. And he's doing that. Until when? Until the sun rises from the place where it sets. That's a promise from the Creator. So use your common sense and put to test what Allah said. Don't believe me. Don't take my word for it. <laughs> I'm from Texas. I'm the last guy you want to take his word for. But check it for yourself. Go open it. Read the Quran and see. And by the way, we're on the website. Look at the seven scientists who every single one of them, after they learned what the Quran said, what they talked about. And finally, the seventh one, he makes shahada while he's standing on the stage. He said, I guess it's time for me to say, Ashadu illa ilaha illallah. Ashadu Muhammad Rasulullah. That I bear witness there's only one God to worship. And I bear witness Muhammad's his last messenger. Muhammad, peace be upon him, did not come to bring a new religion, change a religion, or to uh, disparage or put disparity on any religion. He just came to tell you that there is a God and he's one. And he confirmed the messengership of all of the messengers from Adam, Abraham, Moses, David, Suleiman, all of the prophets, and especially about Jesus. We don't have a lot of time and I, I'm going to take these two minutes right now to tell you this because we've got guests here. They need to know Muslims love Jesus even more than some Christians because we're willing to die to protect him. Because when he comes back, I want to be on the front line when they go into battle against the evil ones. I want to be right beside Jesus when he comes back. Because we believe he's coming back in the flesh and that he definitely is going to kill the false Christ. A lot of Christians don't know that we even know about that. But here's where it's your fault because you haven't told them. Seven, eight million Muslims living in this country have not told the Christians yet that we're waiting for Jesus to come back too. We believe he's the Christ. We believe he's the word of God. We believe he is the spirit. This is all mentioned in the Quran, those same words in the Arabic language. We just don't believe he's the son of God. That'd be kind of low anyway. It's a stupid way to say it. Makes a lot better sense to say that he is the Christ. The Christ is the chosen one, the Messiah. And that, by the way, is there any Muslim in here who doesn't believe Jesus is Messiah? That's impossible because the Quran calls him that. And the only thing is, in English, we mispronounce it. It's Messiah. And that's what it says in the Quran. We know Jesus is the Messiah. But you don't see that in the newspaper, you don't see that on TV. The more the Christian sits with the Muslim and learns, the more they're going to understand that there really is 
an evil factor out there, but it ain't Muslims. Somebody's lying to somebody, and it's time for us to lay it out. Common sense tells us we haven't done our job, and until we do, it's not going to get any better. I'm going to wrap it up with that. I've been talking too long today. We're going to take a, another time out. And when we do this, we're going to, there's going to be some food involved. Hey, right on cue. This guy's got, you got to go with me, man. We're going to be talking about some great questions that came up here, some very exciting questions. When we come back, we're going to deal with that. We're going to have another thing. And I'm going to recruit another imam who's going to be up here with us. And um, maybe a couple of them. And we're going to have some fun. But what I want you to do right now, I'm going to close this out, but I want you to do one thing. One thing. If you really, really want peace on earth, if you uh, be honest, if you really want peace on earth, start by getting some peace inside of you. And the way to do that is to clean out, clean out all of the things that are not peace. All the lies, all the hatred, all the prejudice has to get out of there first. And then make room for salam. Big salam. Salam is peace. And in a form of Yiddish or Hebrew, it's pronounced shalom. It's the same word. Shalom al-kalom or assalamu alaikum. Qul huwa Allahu ahadun illahu samad Lam yalid wa lam yulad wa lam yakul lahu kufuwan ahadun